chapter six of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton this librivox recording is in the public domain ending student days having had my year at teaching as required by the course at hampton i was now eligible for membership in the senior class i began my work in october eighteen eighty nine of the seventy-eight students who had been promoted to the senior class with me only forty-eight returned to complete the course i had reached the rank of captain in the middle year but things had somewhat changed during my fifteen months away from the school mr george l curtis who as commandant had been most kind and friendly to me had resigned his position and mr charles w freeland had succeeded him i was not sure that i would receive as much consideration from mr freeland as i had from mr curtis in fact i was reasonably sure that i would not because the boys had already prejudiced my mind against him he was an episcopal minister and they said he came from georgia and was much worse as we understood it than a real georgian because as they said he was a reconstructed northerner the idea was prevalent then as now among colored people that when northern people come south and change from the northern to the southern attitude on the race question they are much more intolerant from the negro's point of view than native southerners my prejudice against him therefore was very strong and i had about reached the conclusion that he and i could never get along together all of us had some resentment against general armstrong for having brought such a person into the work the young men did not hesitate to express the opinion that if general armstrong meant to have a southerner he should have gotten a real southerner and if he were going to have a northerner he ought to have a real northerner it so happened that several boys from savannah georgia where mr freeland had had a parish entered school that fall and those young men i noticed spoke very well of him and of his mother they said he had been very popular with the colored people in savannah and with white people also this report had to some extent the effect of allaying what was growing to be considerable bitterness on the part of the students generally i soon found however that while mr freeland was very strict and very exacting he was most kind and generous and that students who lived up to his rules had no difficulty in getting on with him when i entered hampton in eighteen eighty five except for a slight inclination toward the legal profession i did not have any very definite plan or notion as to what i wanted to do but i was clear in the desire to return home and continue in the same activities in the school church and other local movements in which i had engaged before going off to school my thought was to get sufficient education to do these things better and to save myself the embarrassment which i frequently underwent because i did not know as much as many people in the community thought i did but when i entered the senior class my mind was pretty definitely set on the legal profession and though i had passed the examination and been licensed to practice in virginia and while the teachers at hampton did not oppose my plan exactly they did raise the question freely and frankly and i might add frequently also as to whether i could thus render my people the greatest service and whether legal advice 
at that time was the greatest need of an uneducated struggling people in the rural districts of the south there was never any question even from my earliest youth i think as to my desire to be helpful to my people but exactly how it should be done was not wholly clear my heart was pretty definitely set on going back to prince edward county and the little town of farmville was to me an ideal place something about the atmosphere of the locality appealed very strongly to me i had been in philadelphia washington and baltimore and had seen a little of norfolk richmond and petersburg but somehow they did not compare in importance to my mind with farmville nor seem nearly so attractive as a place to live in as this little town on the appomattox river it was the custom of mr Fissel to study with the seniors the international sunday school lessons his custom was to take up the lesson a sunday ahead of the calendar because most of the members of the senior class taught in the neighboring sunday schools churches jail poorhouse and the two or three mission sunday schools in the county which were under the direct supervision of the institute the seniors always looked forward with a great deal of pleasant anticipation to being in mr frissell's class because his reputation as a teacher of the bible was well known among the student body as well as among the teachers during the last half of the year it was general armstrong's custom to take up with the senior class dr mark hopkins's book the outline study of man he never called it psychology until usually about the last week of the school term and then he would announce to the class that they had been studying psychology i can remember very little now of any particular thing that i learned from the textbook during the four and a half months but i doubt if there is a single member of that class to-day who does not feel even now the power and influence of general armstrong's earnest strong forceful inspiring personality and the simple illustrations which he used to drive home the telling points he made he brought out of the lessons the importance of proper relations between black people and white people and the value of being able to approach and deal with a person when you knew he did not like you and was prejudiced against you how we ourselves who were not without strong prejudices even race prejudices could deal fairly with people against whom we had prejudice members of our own race as well as of other races he never failed as was also true of mr frissell and the other teachers to emphasize the importance of engaging in such work as would be of the largest benefit to the colored race and he never expressed any doubt as to the final triumph of right and justice and the ultimate success of the two races in adjusting the difficult and very much talked of race problem before the close of the year a large majority of the members of the class indians as well as negroes had pretty definitely made up their minds that they would engage in some work that would have a direct bearing on the development of their races being the ranking captain besides filling other places of responsibility in the school somehow or other i was able to gain the confidence of most of the student body i was made president of the young people's christian association an organization nominally under the chaplain mr frissell but it took in all of the religious organizations of the school the officers being elected by the student body i was also made president of the old dominion debating society the boys glee club and the senior class as well as president of the temperance society these honors carried with them of course 
certain responsibilities which i rather shrank from because i did not wish to have anything hamper my studies in former years my class work had been somewhat along the lines of previous reading but the senior work was almost entirely new except perhaps general history in which i had had no systematic instruction owing to this fact it was necessary for me to give closer attention to my studies than ever before i recall that after my election as president of the temperance society one of my very kind teachers miss davis to whom i have previously referred met me as we came down from the assembly room and calling me into her classroom said moton i hope you won't accept any other office it would be very bad for you a number of your friends among the teachers are afraid that your head is going to be turned because you are receiving too much attention while well, this was somewhat of a shock to me i received it with good grace because as my sunday-school teacher i had learned to value her opinion though they were often expressed with embarrassing frankness i carried my new honours as best i knew how and had to face no serious difficulties for as a matter of fact most of the details were looked after by the teachers who were on the administrative committees of many of these organizations at christmas time there was an occurrence that tested the character of many of us to the utmost two nights before christmas the young men had been permitted to escort the young women home from a concert in the gymnasium every one was happy and prepared to enjoy the usual hampton christmas if anything we had made more elaborate preparations that year than usual general armstrong had invited some very distinguished guests for the holidays among them general morgan commissioner of indian affairs with mrs morgan and a party of friends from washington dr washburn the head of robert college in constantinople had brought down a party of foreign missionaries and there were many other distinguished guests an unusual effort had been made by the general committee on athletics and it had been planned that the social gatherings should be of a high order the programmes for the debating societies and other organizations have been arranged with much care each holiday night had been carefully planned for as we left the gymnasium after the christmas concert each young man escorting a young woman we were stopped after we got about halfway between the gymnasium and virginia hall by one of the matron's assistants i was leading the line we walked up to two ladies one of whom was the matron's assistant and who stood in the middle of the road a narrow passageway between one of the buildings and a laundry fence as i remember so that it was not easy to pass without brushing them aside one lady remarked we did not understand that you were to escort the young women home to-night i replied that it was the custom to do so and nothing had been said to the contrary she said well we will escort them the rest of the way i thereupon promptly excused myself to the young woman and left and every other man who passed along and there must have been about two hundred separated from the young woman whom he accompanied except a few who refused to leave the next morning some eight or ten men crowded into my room before breakfast demanding that i take the initiative in getting suitable reparation for the humiliation which we had suffered the night before though i felt the humiliation as keenly as any one and did not hesitate so to express myself i saw at once that those young men were in no mood to listen to reason from any one i suggested that after breakfast we get together about twenty-five young men representing every class in the school and also the indian students and go over the matter they did not take kindly to that suggestion but they argued the case considerably 
and finally the majority decided against my proposal at breakfast time james r spurgeon now a lawyer in brooklyn new york and for a time after his graduation secretary to the united states legation in liberia read a notice in the dining-room calling a meeting of all of the young men immediately after breakfast i felt that the indignation speeches which were likely to be made in that meeting might stir the boys to do almost anything the resentment of the evening before being very strong there were quite a few however especially the older fellows who agreed with me i did not go to the meeting but a committee waited on me a few moments after the students assembled and demanded my presence so i went spurgeon was the temporary chairman and called the meeting to order with a fiery introductory speech he was then and is now an able orator i was nominated and unanimously elected chairman over my very strong protest i insisted that i would not serve in declining i had the chance to say some things i could not otherwise have said i told them i would accept the chairmanship only on condition that the decisions of the chair should be strictly observed i used the opportunity to make an appeal to the cooler heads among them to do nothing for which they would afterward be ashamed they agreed and i accepted following the perfecting of the permanent organization many exciting speeches were made the indignation of the boys was tremendous i realized that i was facing four hundred very determined young men who did not quite know what to do but were determined to do something one resolution which immediately met with popular favor was to the effect that all cooks milkers stablemen and workers in every department boys and girls would strike for the holiday period in this the girls who felt as strongly in the matter as the young men and were waiting on the other side of the grounds for the decision heartily concurred this motion was going through but before putting it i left the stand asking my classmate spurgeon to occupy the chair while i took the floor i hoped first to put spurgeon in a position where he could not argue against me i raised the question as to the wisdom of having the cooks and waitresses and waiters and milkers stop during the week and called attention to the fact that however angry we might be we had to eat and though the boys might go to nearby restaurants there were two or three hundred girls who could not i raised the question as to the common sense of having the cattle and other animals suffer calling attention to the fact that they had not committed any crime and that it would be a shame not to feed them or care for them i suggested that a committee be appointed to wait on general armstrong it was clear that that suggestion would not be accepted i then offered an amendment that we refused to attend any socials during the week but that we would urge every student to perform all official duties such as attending prayers and performing our work and school duties pointing out that to stay away from the social functions would be just as effective indeed much more so and would give no ground for any comeback at us as a student body or individuals this suggestion appealed to the majority of the boys very strongly a sioux indian john bruyer offered an amendment to my amendment as did also another classmate james h phillips now a successful business man in montgomery alabama who was then as now a clear forceful and effective speaker to the effect that no teacher or official of the school should know of this decision that notices would be given and arrangements made for all social and literary functions as usual in their judgment the two amendments combined would be sufficiently effective in teaching the faculty the lesson which we thought they needed to learn about insulting ladies and gentlemen without cause 
in the end these amendments were carried in a solemn pledge taken that no person should repeat our decision outside of that meeting except to the committee of girls and that if any man appeared at any one of these functions he would be dealt with appropriately and his life in the school made so miserable that it would be impossible for him to remain this action was reported to the girls who met and quietly and quickly passed similar resolutions at evening prayers the week's programme was announced every one sat quietly there was to be an entertainment that evening and various class gatherings a committee was appointed to see that no student entered any of these places perchance any one had not understood to only one place did any students go two boys who had not heard of the action got in before the guard who had been assigned to that place arrived at his station the next day it was clearly understood what the feeling of the student body was and for the rest of the week the holiday programme was abandoned it was evident to all concerned that the students had resented what was considered a very serious infringement on their rights the teachers felt very badly and we ourselves felt that the holidays had been very dull and dreary but we all found ample compensation in the fact that we had disciplined the officials of the institute to be sure we deprived ourselves of what we had looked forward to as an unusually gay christmas even for hampton and i rather think we lost more in this direction than the teachers i often think now that people who have to do with student bodies sometimes forget the bitter resentment that students feel for certain indignities as they regard them that they are too often inclined to forget the feelings of students and consider them as unimportant forgetting what they did and felt when they themselves were students out of such incidents when properly handled students sometimes can get more real education as to how to meet life's problems than perhaps in a year of the ordinary conventional schooling End of chapter six